I like it. That is The Fringe. They're playing tonight, uh, May 23rd, in case you didn't know what the date was. Tonight at the Olympic, my new favorite venue. I feel like I'm probably cursing a band by saying that I like them. They're like, great, this 44-year-old mom loves our music. Let's let's quit the biz. We also talk about our love of the Olympic a lot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the only bar I've been to in the last six months, so... <laughs> Uh, I like to, you know, give a shout out where shout outs are due. Uh, you are listening to The Big Tent here on Radio Boise 89.9 FM, Caldwell Boise. I'm Jen Schneider. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Jackie Kettler, and also Valerie Hayes, who uh, often works the boards for us. She's going to um, participate a little bit today because we have a themed show for you. So if you're on social media with us at Big Tent Radio on Twitter or Big Tent Radio on Facebook, you saw the this teaser today. What do these things have in common? The Game of Thrones finale, the Mueller report, Avengers Endgame, and the 2019 Idaho <laughs> legislative <laughs> session. <laughs> um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, the answer, of course, is they are all uh, finales that don't really resolve anything. <laughs> <laughs> they had endings that didn't feel like endings. <laughs> so we're going to chat a little bit about those today. And I think we should start with Game of Thrones, even though I know that probably all, um, you know, 300 of our listeners just simultaneously clicked off their radios. And we might want to issue a spoiler alert. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think flat out, if you haven't seen it, first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you probably don't care. Like about me. spoilers but there are spoilers that are going to come because valerie and i valerie you're a super fan well um you, i I have, <laughs> I have been a fan of the show for many years uh, so. and i i came she to rejects your label after this, after this like Ooh. Kind of last season. It's, it's um you know was a little bit I mean, there were a lot of fans who were super disappointed about the way the season ended so in case again in case I mean, I know what's going on. So if I know what's going on, listeners, you probably know what's going on because I'm not so not so into it. But um, basically, there were six episodes, right? Yes. Six episodes for this last season of Game of Thrones. Each episode was around 90 minutes long. It was like watching a yeah, feature length film. The first two were, were standard length and then they and they got longer, longer and longer. Yeah. OK. And Jackie, you're not a Game of Thrones fan. So we kind of have like the Goldilocks set up here, right? Like small, medium and large fans in the room. And basically, the last episode, I have not debriefed with anybody. I have not been able to bring myself to read any commentary like Wash Poe and uh, I mean, New York Times. Everybody has a hot take on the ending. I just cannot read them because I have not quite been able to process what I saw. So what's your gut reaction to the finale? It's totally mixed. It's totally mixed. Like, I thought, honestly, I thought the writing was crap. I mean, the dialogue, the dialogue I thought all the way along the writing has been really good on that show. Until the season or the last episode? Until the, well, hmm, I, for I, sure I the felt, last episode. I it was, it, it's been for even before. Just, just been getting bad. Season. Yeah, visually the show was yeah. was awesome. The acting was great. The you know the production, the music. It was like know, one it, of those shows I'd watch late at night and then not be able to sleep because yeah. like my adrenaline would be pumping. Yeah, the production value I felt stayed solid. And, yeah, you know, no yeah. complaints there. Really, I know some people thought 
too much CGI. Yeah. But... But then there was the big kerfuffle earlier in this season around the great episode, the the great battle between the White Walkers, the zombies, and you know all, all of the humans, and it was filmed so dark that you couldn't see a lot of it. So there was a lot of complaining about that. And then in the penultimate episode, there was a lot of upset because Daenerys Targaryen, mother of dragons, the Khaleesi super hot babe also it's not very feminist <laughs> that i said that but she is and really a uh, tough like a tough chick right she's been a, a very cool female character on tv she completely lays waste to the entire city with her dragon like she kills a lot of innocent people oh yeah and there's a lot of discussion of like where did that come from she was supposed to be sort of this freer of slaves and she just kills everybody yeah, and, and uh, you know, some, a lot of people say, well, they've been building to it over the, you know. We the knew she was going arc. mad. We knew, but uh, I, I do just have some disappointment about falling into that trope. Like, mm-hmm. you know, women are crazy unless they have strong advisors. And once the advisors are gone, they can't do anything in politics without blowing everything up. Look so. at, yeah, it's like the <laughs> ultimate emotional woman thing. <laughs> or if the message is pow- power corrupts, that's just not that interesting of a story. Yeah. We kind of know, like that's yeah. been well covered. Like I don't think we need that to be the major point. And it really hasn't been her storyline all along, although p- power corrupts certainly is a major theme of that show. That said, that episode didn't bother me so much. I found it really visually exciting um i mean it was horrific it gave you a sense of like how horrible war is and how devastating it can be i thought it was well done artistically and then we get to the finale and i mean valerie i don't know what your major complaints were but mine were the dialogue all of a sudden became so cheesy it was like almost <laughs> disney movie cheesy oh, no. and it had like that kind of reminded me of the ending of return of the king where it was you know 20 minutes of just this kind of slow motiony feeling uh dialogue heavy yeah kind of sitcommy at that council meeting yeah yeah here Tyrion lannister um it they like tried to thread the needle between like drama with Jon snow being banished and and comedy with Tyrion Lannister being the new hand and it just it felt super ham-handed and cheesy I didn't like John being banished although I could respect the choice like like I guess they couldn't put him in that would have maybe been cheesy in its own right so I don't know I did it there were a lot of political scientists who kind of enjoyed that democracy like was briefly mentioned yeah. and oh laughed god out of the room. but honestly that was the <laughs> That was an example of like the worst moment. Like there were are these these royals sitting around and they're like uh yeah, let's maybe we could give the people a, vo- a voice and then they pause and then they all laugh and I was like, "What? Is that like a, it's like some commentary on Brexit or something? Like what is happening right now? It's just so dumb." And then if you want to read it as a political allegory, the north deciding to remain its own kingdom. I mean, there is a whole racial allegory that you can read into Game of Thrones with, like, the whites of the North defending against the hordes from the South, who are the only people of color in the show. And, of course, they maintain their purity at the end. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought there was some troubling stuff, some neat bows, and then some ham-handed treatment of 
more serious themes. So, so do you think the issues arose from just a, it being challenging to wrap something up like this, or that there were not book no book there the book they had gone out of the books like they've gone past that? Like, what do you think may have contributed some of these issues here at the end? What do you think, Valerie? I well, I actually um, there was a, a Twitter feed that came out afterwards. Um, I am not a creative writer, so I hadn't heard these terms before but the plotter versus pantser mm-hmm. um that that kind of the the twitter argument was that george R. R. martin writes in this very plot he's he plans everything out he has like an end in mind um there are pros and cons to both styles of of writing um and that uh D were more of these fly by the seat of their pants or they're called pantsers in the literary world where you can get a lot more um development and things but there's it's it's oftentimes harder to wrap things up and mm-hmm. you have a lot of characters that maybe you added because you when you're flying by the seat of your pants that sounded great what a cool st- story oh well now we don't have anything to do with it so we're just going to forget about it so i i thought that from kind of that literary perspective these terms that i hadn't heard of now that george r, r. martin has not written for it and so even if just having these very different writing styles if that was problematic um, especially for such a long project, you know, adds even more difficulty to wrapping all those things up rather than uh, like a short work. But I think I would have been happier had they not tied so many bows mm-hmm. around things. Like I think That's back to the Sopranos uh, series finale or Six Feet Under. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen that mm-hmm. show, but um, those were both, and, and they were both also shows finales that created a lot of conflict among fans but they made bold choices I thought in both of those shows one sort of wrapped things up and the other didn't and then they also um, were okay leaving a lot quite a bit sort of open-ended and that was maybe the one piece that worked was not knowing what would happen with Jon Snow like had they done that more with other characters and not sort of given us a a neat conclusion to how things were going forward, I think it would have been much more successful. And I think fans would have been much happier because for fans, the stories haven't ended because he hasn't finished those books, right? So why not just leave things open and a little uncomfortable? I think that would have been much more successful. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is okay. So for those of you who've been um, bleary eyed and tuning out because you don't watch Game of Thrones or you're tired of hearing about Game of Thrones, that's it. That's mostly what we're going to talk about on the show for Game of Thrones today. When we come back from this break, I think we're going to talk a little bit about politics and some cliffhangers that are happening (laughs) in our political culture right now, too. You're listening to The Big Tent. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Damon McMahon from Amon Dunes, and you're listening to KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise, community radio for Boise and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Big Tent. Um, I'm Jackie Kettler. I'm here with my co-host, Jen Schneider, and Valerie Hayes is also joining in today, um, which is fun. We've been talking about finales, and then we can move a little bit to politics, where we've had some different finales, one of which, like, we've or had... Or things we hoped were finales. <laughs> we've had some state legislatures start wrapping up, and Idaho wrapped up recently. One reason we've been getting a lot of these abortion um, bills recently is some state legislatures wrapping up their session so we're starting to see some unhappiness kind of across the country with state legislatures wrapping up yeah I, um i obviously don't follow state legislatures as close as you do jackie but 
when I talk to people who are involved in politics in the state about this last session, uniformly the response is, ugh. Mm -hmm. Like people just felt drained by it. They felt like things weren't working the way they had hoped Mm -hmm. they would work. And it feels like something, maybe it's just temporary, but it feels a little like something got broken, Mm -hmm. like trust in the process. Um, And I don't know if it mostly had to do with the sort of ballot initiative issue or if we're just kind of, maybe this is just what changed looks like and feels like Uh, but it felt like something different happened yeah it was i mean and things were moving along all right and then we get to the end of the idaho legislative session and and things did get a little bonkers and where we were like oh suddenly why are we spending so much time talking about ballot initiative restrictions and then we start fight they start fighting about agency rules resulting in now like them not passing approving all the agency rules and so we now we have this weird process with the governor going to review them and leaving things really unsettled actually a lot of things were unsettled by um, the session. And during a time of transition anyway, right? Because we have a new governor making all sorts of new appointments, new agency heads, things like that. So there is this sense of, again, a finale without the fiend, Mm -hmm. that um, things are sort of left undone and that they're in transition. And it's interesting that you brought up the abortion issue because that is certainly another case where we're seeing this sense of like, gosh, things are really building, um, but we're not going to get any closure on this for a while because it's going to have to work its way through the courts. The goal, of course, being that it ends up with the, at the Supreme Court and with a challenge to Roe v. Wade. So um, I think people are feeling unsettled and angry and upset and concerned. And- yeah, and, and like kind of, you know, for the, the abortion bans are particularly, you know, con- people concerned about protecting abortion. But I think legislatures across the country have been doing a lot of things where just generally people are are now struggling with national politics and concern different concerns with their state politics and so I think there's just a lot of kind of people unsettled and unhappy with what's going on in the realm of politics. And that's an argument we've made a lot on this show before which is if you don't like what's happening happening federally focus locally because often that's where change gets made and you have more of an opportunity to intervene and participate and it seems like there's a sort of a challenge to that happening right now. There's some research suggesting that national politics is playing a bigger and bigger role in state politics where it's national party platforms are driving agendas at the state level, that national issues are what's being discussed at the state level, that people vote thinking about national politics, not state politics. And so we may be missing, losing some of that room for states to think up kind of state or unique solutions to policies that work for that state. And instead, we're all very focused on that national agenda, which is very divided, right? Like lots of partisan um, polarization on those issues. Yeah, and not only that, but the parties themselves also feel particularly divided and and rancorous. I think you sort of have, of course, on the right, um, Trump supporters, although I think I've heard a lot of political scientists recently say that the uh, Republican Party is the party of Trump now, but you still have sort of never Trumpers and and critics of the president. And then on the left, folks are trying to gear up for this next presidential election, figure out who the party is, what it stands for, and in particular on the question of impeachment. Mm -hmm. So we have the Mueller report. Gosh, talk about a finale that didn't really provide any closure. <laughs> um, it's only seemed to have raised more questions than it than it answered. And you know, on the left, 
um, Democrats are really thinking about whether or not impeachment is worth it. It's hard to imagine how they avoid that question moving forward, sort of as the drumbeat for the president's tax returns and yeah. and uh, other investigations go on. It's a really interesting question. People are like, why hasn't Speaker Pelosi, you know, pushed or, you know, had the call to, to start um, the kind of impeach, impeachment um, vote? And some of the debates around that is really interesting. Um, some thought, or maybe she's just waiting until it's so overwhelming that she has just full confidence that you're trying to just build up more support so that it's not easy to be like, this is just, uh, you know, just her. Opportunistic. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the conventional wisdom is we have to look at what happened under the Clinton presidency, where they pursued impeachment and it came back and really bit the Republicans mm-hmm. in the butt. And so the Democrats want to learn from that history and don't want to repeat it. It looks like polls suggest that most voters don't want impeachment or it's not their top issue. And yet, if we are facing a constitutional crisis where we have a balance of powers that has to be protected, Congress has to perform an oversight function. Plus, you have many Democrats who ver- voters that very much want to see yeah, that in the and base so in particular with that pr- presidential primary happening on the Democratic side you now have this perhaps entering the, the primary debates which is kind of an interesting thing to have candidates debating on whether or not the candidate should their president should be impeached and the president I feel like as usual doesn't do himself a lot of favors in this regard this week there was supposed to be sort of bipartisan discussions about infrastructure which is is viewed on both sides as being the big legislative win, like who's going to disagree with investing in infrastructure in this country. It uh, makes people's lives better, creates jobs. And yet uh, the president sort of pulled out of those talks and said, this is not going anywhere unless you stop investigating me, which I think, from my point of view anyway, contributes to the sense of uh, obstruction, right? That it looks like he is trying to stop investigations, even if that's not really what's happening. So man, it's a tricky time. But you're right. I mean, thinking about kind of the just left unfulfilled with the Game of Thrones uh, finale, I think a lot of people are looking at these events and just being like, especially those who don't support Trump, well, I thought this would do it. I thought this would do it. And just kind of getting weary and disappointed and unsettled. Yeah, we mentioned Brexit. The same thing's happening in the UK with (laughs) Theresa May, you know, continuing to have to keep going back and and renegotiate that uh, agreement. Um, So, uh, and boy, Italy, the rise of, you know, liberal governments in, in Italy, some strange things happening, lots of things feeling unsettled right now, for sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break and we're going to... Speaking of unsettled, (laughs) it's time for a break. (laughs) And when we come back, we're going to continue discussing finales. Um, Join us here back in a minute. Mm, Unexplained bacon. Radio Boise. It's like bacon for your ears. Hey there. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is The Big Tent. I'm Jen Schneider. I'm here with Jackie Kettler and Valerie Hayes. And this show, we've been talking about finales that don't really provide a sense of closure or finales that don't fiend, as I like to say, (laughs) my excellent Italian. Um, So we've been talking about Game of Thrones. We've been talking about the Mueller report. We've been talking about the 2019 legislative session here in Idaho. And now we're going to talk about 
Avengers Endgame. And Valerie, during the break, I asked if you had seen um, the Endgame movie, and you shocked me by saying that you had not seen any Avengers movies except I, I, for I, Iron Man. I saw the first Iron Man, and I, I honestly I can't even remember which ones are Avengers and which ones are Justice League. And um, oh, no. wait, oh, no. and what did you just say? So yes, I, I am not the, the the comic book fan that. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! Well, this may be a different conversation now. <laughs> but I've heard. Awesome. I mean, I I I'm, I don't live in a cave, and so I I, I, I have heard. You know about... about the cultural phenomenon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So yeah. So we're a big, huge Marvel family, as I've said probably sixteen Us times well. on this show. And last summer, um, when my husband was traveling for work, my girls and I have two teenage girls, and I watched all of the Marvel movies in advance of the big releases that were coming out last fall and this spring. So um, yeah, Endgame, if you want to talk about a finale that I think left an appropriate amount of things open and wrapped up an appropriate amount, that's a good example. I thought it was a really satisfying sort of finale for the Avengers franchise as it has been constituted up till now. Of course, it will move forward with a new group. Um, but what do you think, Jackie? Yeah, I would agree with you. Like, there were some satisfying conclusions, but there were still a few choices that I was like, I'm not so sure I love what they did with the Oh, and ca- also a reminder to turn your radio off if you don't want to yeah, hear spoilers, because spoiler we're going there. We're going there now. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, I think, uh, you know, there was a Captain America's character where I'm still a little confused about how mm. some of the Did you see the Captain America movie? works uh or i mean sorry i'm i'm not i'm thinking of captain marvel not <laughs> I mean, captain america i loved captain marvel yeah okay good <laughs> but oh so what do you what do you mean like about the him captain staying america? in the past oh yeah i don't know how that impacts everything mm-hmm. else and i'm very confused about how the rules work there. oh you're having like a time travel mind-bending yep. situation yeah oh absolutely anytime time travel is involved i'm like i cannot even think about it it just warps my that, brain and the black widow like black widow's yeah. um path in the movie i mm-hmm. i think there were some more interesting things that could have been done with the mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. um but overall i thought i mean and i think the directors have been admitted that there's a lot of fan service in the movie. And so what do you mean by fan service? So like callbacks that fans will particularly enjoy or giving characters like Captain America a happy ending that even if maybe not the best way or for Iron Man having him have like a happy family life and before you know in between Mm -hmm. like it's just kind of and especially do you just kind of pleasing the fans with the storyline like making it like you know they're going to fans would be happy with what's happening with that story oh totally i I remember when um the family went and watched the last avengers movie last fall which i'm blanking on the name but um my kids were both crying like Mm. sobbing at the end of that movie because if you remember, a lot of the characters just sort of disappear. It's like that show, The Leftovers, where like a certain mm-hmm. percentage of the population just That's interesting. I hear a lot of comparisons for Endgame really? to The Leftovers. Well, I haven't watched wow. The Leftovers. Oh but... my gosh, heartily endorse The Leftovers. It is such a good you show. You like it too, Valerie. Yeah, right? it's great. It's much darker, I think, than than this uh, franchise, but and, well and worth I think seeing. I did a really good job wrapping things up uh, 
succinctly because they didn't yes. drag it on and on and on. So, But left things ambiguous, mm-hmm. too, I think. Um, yeah. And maybe it's because, just to skip a beat here, jump the shark, for The Leftovers, they preserved a lot of the supernatural pieces without trying to resolve them, I think. Like, they provided a semi-scientific explanation, but also left open a lot of metaphysical questions. And that's something Game of Thrones could have done much better, mm-hmm. um, I think. But it's not something Marvel would do, right? Like, there has to be a logical coherence in Marvel movies or they're going to lose their fan base. So they're really trying to appeal to those folks who are consistent fans. And and they've been setting up some of these storylines for over years or ever movies that and sometimes it's like maybe that came together a little too neatly Mm -hmm. um but i think in general uh things made sense where they went the direction and kind of how things wrapped up and left some interesting questions for the future like all right what happened now that all these people are back like the people like now that it's three years later yeah Yeah. like some what happens to people coming back to high school and there was i don't know like and so the the next spider-man movie i think Mm -hmm. has some questions to deal with about how how the every half people going away and now coming back, what exactly that means for society. Yeah, we wondered about that same thing. I will say genre really matters, right? I think, again, we're much more tolerant of neat endings in like a superhero movie sure. because it's what the genre calls for. Sure. We'd be disappointed if there weren't right. some of them. But I think Wolverine, I don't know if you saw uh, Logan. I meant Logan. Oh, okay. I don't know if you saw Logan, but that's a movie where it goes a little bit of a different direction Mm -hmm. and actually got a more critical acclaim, I think, because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Messing with the genre, the critics like, Mm -hmm. but following the rules of the genre and just tweaking it slightly, I think gets, yeah, it's what fans like. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. So now the question is, uh, what sort of artsy, fartsy films are we going to see Robert Downey Jr. in and Scarlett Johansson? Because she was really like an indie actress mm-hmm. for a long time before making these movies. So it'll be interesting to see if she kind of goes back to her roots. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, they've got some characters here with that you know, their lives open up, or actors that their lives open up a little bit more. Yeah. Which... Hopefully they take a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, you know, they're quite like. Well, one thing the Marvel movies did well was they recruited a lot of great actors they really for did. it, which yeah. I think Game of Thrones managed to find some pretty good ones as well. Yeah, and for sure. Creates a good, something you want to keep watching when the acting's great. And- I mean, Valerie, you mentioned that the one Marvel movie you have seen is Iron Man, and I think that's really what mm-hmm. broke through um, for the um, for the MCU, as the kids say, um, was that movie. And his he really brought his own flair to that role, mm-hmm. and I think was really respected as an actor. <laughs> I was reading something the other day about how people became very invested because it also mimicked Robert Downey Jr.'s life. And so, like, his redemption and development throughout all the movies, like, also kind of follows his own life. And so that's one reason they think people became so invested in him and his character. That makes sense to me. When I was growing up, he was kind of, like, in the Brat Pack for a while. And then he just had that horrible fall with drugs and then had to, you know, sort of fight his way back, which a lot of people don't do. So that's great. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that very well. (laughs) Can I share what the thing that actually surprised me most about Avengers Endgame? Bring it. Was how many guides there were to when to plan your bathroom breaks. Yeah. How, yes, like, because it was important. like a three-hour yeah. movie. And, and that, you know, that that, could, that consumers or, you know, were, were, you know, really glomming onto this and planning it and like, okay, this is when I'm going to go, like, 
you know, on Facebook, all my friends, okay, I've got my, I've got my, my pee guide down. And just like, <laughs> that, that just kind of blew my mind that I, I've never been in this situation. I've seen long movies, I totally but understand. where, <laughs> where I really needed to know when I, when are the good times to go. So I thought it must be, I mean, obviously it's a cultural phenomenon, but it must, it really, uh, resonates with people if they care that much so that mm-hmm. they don't want to miss 20 seconds. I mean, my seconds kids had it on their calendar for months. They've been t- like, they knew the exact day. My daughter Noli wouldn't have popcorn because she's like, then I'm going to be thirsty and I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Like, she was no. a ball of nerves. It's, it was a serious deal. It was a real deal. It, it was fun. It, you know, a lot of times we go to the movies and the movie theaters are like half empty and it was fun to go to a packed movie theater and experience it with other people. And people laughing and sighing and crying all together. Yeah, cool. So that's a good shared experience uh, makes you glad to to be in a movie theater in the United States of America watching the superheroes. All right, we're going to end it on that positive note. Uh, we hope you have a great week. Um, make sure you stay tuned for future um, shows here at the Big Tent on Radio Boise. We'll see you next Thursday.